1 Corinthians chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour. For we are fellow workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. And if it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's spirit lives among you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools, so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness, and again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death, or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Great, thanks Mary. I hope you're seeing as we go through 1 Corinthians that over and over and over again, Paul is saying, you can't work out who God is through humans, through human wisdom, through clever people. The only way that we know who God is and what he is like is as he reveals himself to us in the power of his spirit, by his word. So let's pray that he would do that now. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in your word. Thank you that you give us your spirit so that we can understand what it says, so that we can accept it and believe it and be transformed by it. Father, we pray that you would do that for us this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder whether you ever look around um, your, the people around you and feel a bit inferior to others. Ever look around and think, everyone else just seems to be 
much more sorted than I am. They all seem so much happier, so much richer, so much more successful than me. Do you ever think, here I am, sitting on my sofa, scrolling through Facebook, looking at everyone else's holiday snaps, and everyone else just seems to be having a lot more fun than me. I think all of us feel inferior to others from time to time, don't we? All of us would have had that experience or, or will have that experience in the future. Feeling inferior is an issue that we all have. It's a problem for individuals and it's also a problem for churches. As churches, we can do the same thing. We can look at the world around us and just feel a bit weak, a little bit pathetic, a a bit inferior. After all, the church is small. There's not many of us here this evening. Uh, Culture seems to be moving further and further away from the Bible's teaching. The the message of the gospel is just unacceptable nowadays. Uh, And so, well, it's not hard to feel inferior. Uh, But the problem we have is that when we feel like that, what we tend to do is try to mimic others that we think are impressive. Uh, We look at others who we think are superior and, and we think, Oh, I want to be like them. Oh, we should be more like that. I want to be part of that group. I want to be one of those people. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, you'll know that that is exactly what's going on in Corinth. The Corinthians wanted to be impressive, not weak. They wanted to be admired, not mocked. They wanted to be seen as wise, not foolish. And so they've begun to mimic what the world said was impressive. They thought that because they followed popular leaders, because they associated themselves with talented, flashy preachers, that meant that they looked quite impressive. In fact, they had stopped feeling inferior and started to feel superior to those around them. In chasing after worldly wisdom, they had become proud. They were full of themselves. Paul says in chapter 4, they are puffed up. The Corinthians, they thought they were super spiritual, super mature, grown up Christians. Which is why chapter 3, verse 1, must have come as a pretty nasty shock as it was read out at Corinth Evangelical Church that Sunday morning. Let's get 3, verse 1 with me. Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You are still worldly. At the start of chapter 3, Paul puts a big pin in the arrogant balloon of the Corinthians. He says to them, You're still children. You're still immature, still worldly in your thinking. And the evidence of this is your attitude towards leaders. Verse 3, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? Paul says to them, by, by boasting in and dividing over leaders... 
You're showing yourself not to be spiritual, but to be worldly. Not mature, but childish. The Corinthians' spiritual immaturity is seen in their puffed-up attitude towards themselves and towards their leaders. And so in chapter 3, Paul wants to change their thinking, change their perspective. He wants to give them a right view of leaders. And the big thing he wants them to understand is that leaders are servants, not celebrities. Leaders are servants, not celebrities. We all had heroes growing up, I imagine. It's kind of part and parcel of childhood, isn't it? But it it does tend to get a little bit sad when it carries on into adulthood. It would be a little bit weird if I still had Bear Grylls pyjamas or a picture of David Beckham hanging on my bedroom wall. Catherine would be a bit freaked out by that, I think. Hero worship is childish. But it's what the Corinthians are doing. They're behaving like little fan clubs in the church, each cheering on their favorite leader. And so Paul says, grow up. He wants them to understand that leaders are servants to be thanked, not celebrities to be worshipped. Look at verse 5. What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned each to his task. Paul says it's, it's crazy, it's childish to worship church leaders. They're just servants, they're just workers. Verse 6, he gives a, a horticultural illustration to make his point. He says, look, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. It's a lesson that even a child can understand when they go to school and they grow cress in a little old yogurt pot. Remember doing that? Yes, they planted the seed carefully. Yes, they diligently watered it day after day. But they can't actually make it grow. They can't do that. It's beyond their ability. And of course, it is God that does the real work. God who makes things grow. Of course, leaders work hard. Of course, they have a role to play. But at the end of the day, they are nothing compared to the one who brings the growth. And so we mustn't get overexcited about Christian leaders. We mustn't put people on a pedestal as though they are it as though they're infallible. And so we have to remember that whoever they are, however many books they've written or blogs they've written, whoever they are, they are nothing compared to God. Which means it's right for us to to thank church leaders for their work, for their service, but we mustn't boast in them because they are servants. It's ridiculous to elevate human leaders and boast in them. They're just servants, Paul says. And it's also ridiculous to divide and fight over human leaders because they serve the same master. Look at verse 8. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labor. 
Christian leaders have one purpose. They serve the same master. They have the same goal. Of course, they'll do things differently. They'll have different personalities. They're not robots. They'll have different styles, different strengths, different weaknesses. But Paul says at the end of the day, they're on the same team. They want the same thing. To see God's kingdom grow as people hear and respond to the gospel. Verse 9, they're they're fellow workers in God's field. Seeking to build up God's building, God's church. And again, that is something that the Corinthians, and I think we can sometimes fail to grasp. It's so easy, isn't it, for us to slip into talking about so-and-so's church. Or or so-and-so's ministry. To talk about it as though it's all about them. Though they're the ones that have achieved success. And so they're the ones really worth listening to, paying attention to. Not that small church down the road. No, no, not them. Well, Paul says no. No, no, the church doesn't belong to Paul or Apollos or Tim Keller or John Piper, or Daph Marion Jones, or anybody else. The church belongs to God. It's his building, and he is the one who causes it to grow. And so Paul wants the Corinthians to have a, a right view of leaders. He says they're servants, not celebrities. But closely tied to their wrong view of leaders is their wrong view of success. You see, as we've seen over the last few weeks, these guys, they, they judge success on the, or failure of their leaders based on childish, worldly criteria. They wanted powerful, talented preachers, the kind who would draw a crowd by their, their rhetoric, their speaking ability, people that would generate a big following and have a successful ministry. Now, that's what the Corinthians wanted, and so... Paul, again, wants to correct their thinking. He wants them to have a right view of success. And he says, success is all to do with being faithful, not flashy. Success is faithful, not flashy. Verse 10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. Three or so years before Paul writes this letter, he he traveled to Corinth and he says, by God's grace, he laid the foundation for God's building project in that city. How did he do that? Verse 11, he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we saw back in chapter 2, verse 2, he said, I resolved to know nothing except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul preached Christ. And as we saw right at the start in Acts chapter 18, people believed the message, believed the gospel, and God's church was established. But he says since then, he's moved on. He's moved on and others have taken over. Others have continued the building project. And these new builders, they must take care. Why? Because it's not people but God who will judge the quality of their work. Look at verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, 
their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. Paul says, in the end, the only measure of success, the only test that really matters is God's. You see, it's easy. It's easy to build an impressive-looking building, to have a ministry in a church that seems successful, to have lots of people and lots of programs and and a nice website and a smiley, flashy pastor. But Paul says in the second half of verse 13 that the last day, the day when Christ returns, will be like a fire. It'll be like a fire that sweeps through the building, showing what it's really made of. If it's made of straw, well, it'll be obvious because there'll be nothing left. So take care how you build. Take care how you build because your work will be shown for what it is. And verse 14, some will receive their reward. Those who faithfully stick to the gospel, despite how foolish it seems to the world, despite how weak it makes them look, those people will hear the words of their master. Well done, good and faithful servant. They'll hear those words as their work is shown to be made of gold, not straw. But then, verse 15, there'll be others who have a very different experience on the last day. There'll be some who experience the shame of their work being exposed, shown for what it really is, empty and useless. Maybe these people, maybe they pointed to themselves rather than Christ. Maybe they built up a big fan group, a big following, a platform for themselves. They actually quite liked it when people said, I follow pastor so-and-so. Maybe they failed to preach the cross for fear of seeming foolish or weak. They decided to focus on some other aspect of the Christian faith. Their ministry was going to be all about community projects or, or, or peace or equality. Things that sound good but, but not mention wrath or or the cross or justice or any of those things. No, no, those things will put people off. Maybe they relied on human wisdom rather than God's. Relied on their own organizational ability, their own strategic thinking, their own powerful preaching rather than humbly, prayerfully depending on God's spirit to work through them. Whatever they did, they didn't build using the gold of the gospel. They relied on something else to achieve success. And so in the end, their work will be exposed. Of course, Paul says in verse 15, if they belong to Christ, well, they'll still be saved. But only as one escaping from a burning building, undignified, exposed, no well done, from the master. Some will be rewarded, some will be exposed. But then far more seriously in verses 16 and 17, some will be destroyed. Look at verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. 
You see, in failing to preach the gospel, in, in rejecting the message of Christ crucified, Paul says it's not just that your ministry will be empty. It's actually possible to damage, to destroy God's church. By preaching yourself rather than Christ or, or by hiding the, the cross, you draw people away from the only source of hope and salvation available to them. You chip away at the foundations of God's building. And Paul says that is a very serious thing indeed. The church is God's temple. It's the place where his spirit dwells. And so anyone found guilty of destroying the church will themselves be destroyed. So you see, when it, when it comes to success, Paul says there's only one judgment that really matters. God's. He's the one who will have the final say. And God isn't fooled by flashy, outwardly impressive ministry. Now, he'll expose all that we've done. And the criteria that he is interested in is whether or not we have been faithful. Whether or not we've continued to build on the foundation that Paul laid. The foundation of Jesus Christ crucified. And so you see, truly successful ministry is Christ-centered, not self-centered. It's faithful, not flashy. And then having established these two things, a, a right view of leaders and a right view of success, Paul ends this section in verses 18 to 23, the last chunk, by reiterating what the Corinthians are to do or, or more accurately not do as a result. He says, leaders are servants, not celebrities, and success is faithful, not flashy. So first of all, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. The fundamental problem for the Corinthians was that they were worldly, childish in their thinking. They were self-centered and immature when it came to their understanding of wisdom. And so Paul says to them in verse 18, don't be deceived by worldly impressiveness and wisdom. Don't be taken in by the things that the world says are powerful and superior. And if you've been coming over the last few weeks, I imagine this is starting to sound a little bit repetitive. You're probably starting to think, all right, Paul, we get it, we, we understand, we've got the message. Worldly wisdom is foolish. But Paul's repetition is deliberate. It's deliberate because, well, we spend so much of our time listening to the voices of the world, don't we? Whether it's our friends or our colleagues or the television or social media, we are constantly bombarded with worldly wisdom. It's coming at us all of the time, and, and so it's so easy, so easy to be deceived by it, to start applying worldly wisdom to the church, to ministry. And so Paul says again and again and again, verse 19, the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. Don't be deceived, Corinthians. Don't be deceived, Chessington Evangelical Church. If it is not Christ-centered, 
If it is not all about the message of Jesus Christ crucified, then it is not wisdom. It is empty. It is useless. And one day it will be exposed. Don't be deceived. And secondly, don't boast in people. Don't boast in people. Paul's big point through this section has been that when it comes to leaders and when it comes to success, the only person that really matters is God. God is the one who should be center stage because it's God who makes things grow. It's God who we serve. It's God who owns the church. And it's the message of God's Son that is the foundation of all that we do. It's all about God. So, verse 21, stop boasting in people. It's ridiculous. It's childish. It's worldly to boast in and divide over people. So Paul says, stop it. You see, when you boast in people, when you try to get one up on each other by aligning yourself with a certain leader, Paul says you're completely forgetting all that you have, all that you are in Christ. Look at the end of verse 21. He says, All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. So you see what Paul is saying? The entire universe revolves around the Lord Jesus Christ, it's all his. Every person, every atom, life, death, present, future, all belongs to him. And that means if, verse 23, we are of Christ, if we are his, then all of that he has belongs to us. If we're part of God's family through faith in Jesus Christ, then we share in the family inheritance, which is everything. And so church leaders, people like Paul and Apollos, they've been given to us by God for our good. Which means rather than hero-worshipping them or dividing over them, we should thank God for them. We should rejoice in the fact that God has given us different leaders with different gifts and different personalities, all to help us grow, to build up his church. All things are yours, Paul says, because you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. We began this evening, didn't we, thinking about how sometimes we can feel inferior to others, and that when that happens, we, we tend to mimic the world, tempt to go, tempted to go after things that the world says are impressive. I hope you can see this evening that Paul says, don't be deceived, don't, don't chase after worldly wisdom. Don't boast in human leaders thinking that that will make you feel better about yourself. Yes, we can sometimes feel like we belong to something weak and foolish and insignificant. But the reality is the opposite. Because it's through what seems weakest, through the cross of Christ that we have been given all things. So this week, tomorrow morning, when you wake up, before 
you flick on your phone or, or turn on the news or read the paper or talk to anyone. Let's ask God that we wouldn't be deceived by worldly wisdom, deceived by the voices of the world. Instead, let's resolve to, to listen to him, to remind ourselves in his word that he has given us all things in his son and that we would focus on him and live wholeheartedly for him as we step out the front door and make our way to work or wherever else we're going. Let's fix our minds on Christ and remember what we have in him. So ask that God would help us do that now. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that through the weakness and the foolishness of the cross, you have given us all things by your grace in him. Father, it is hard for us to even get our heads around what all things means. But we rejoice in it. And we pray that you would fill our hearts and our minds with the knowledge of Christ. That we would love him and live for him this week. Knowing that we are utterly secure in him and so don't need to feel inferior. Don't need to feel as though we're missing out. Because we have everything in Christ. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. In his name, amen.